Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. We're back in. We're in the full swing of things. We're in week one now. Last week, Brett and I, we broke down preview into week zero. Uh, this week, we brought on a couple of new guests. Brett brought in a couple more of his uh, his Nebraska friends. We have Jared. We have Isaiah on tonight. Uh, and we're going to have a, a deep discussion for anybody that watched week zero. I think you have a feeling what the first half of this podcast is going to be about. I have some Cornhusker friends. Cornhuskers were the talk of week zero and uh, Scott Frost's future at Nebraska. But before we jump in too deep, we'll, we'll start off and uh, I'll let these guys do some introductions. Um, so, so Jared, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to everybody out there. Uh, I'm Jared Samuelson. Uh, hail from Gretna, Nebraska, home of the dragons. Um, right now I am a, uh, and always will be a big time Husker fan. Bleed, bleed red, a uh, big time Bronco fan. Not as much as Huskers. I don't know that much about the Broncos as much as I should, but um, big Tim Tebow guy, uh, you know, one, one of the better quarterbacks we've had. Um, and I'm excited to be on the podcast. Awesome. Isaiah, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, happy to be here. Um, also a Nebraska fan, born and raised here. Um been a little disappointed in Nebraska recently, but uh, just kind of happens. I'm also a Denver Broncos fan. Uh, pay a little more attention to NFL, I think. But uh, yeah, ready to go. Excited to yeah, be here. We're pumped to have you guys on. And uh, and Brent, how you doing, man? How you how you hanging in after this past weekend? You know, I'm doing great as always. Staying optimistic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's nice to have two other Nebraska and Broncos fans on the pod. So I'm not alone. You're just trying to you're just trying to triple team me here. I, I am I'm getting outworked over here. Um, and apologies for the for the raspy voice. I'm I'm getting over COVID, so still have a little bit of the uh, congestion hanging around. So apologies for the raspy voice, or if I'm uh, coughing at any point. For all of us out there over the last two years, I'm sure you either been affected by it by catching it, or at least know some people. So nonetheless, um, it was. Like we said, Nebraska Northwestern was pretty much the premier game going into you uh, going into week zero. Um, it was the first, well, second game of the day. Austin being Western Kentucky technically kicked off 30 minutes prior, but I don't think too many people were watching that over on CBS Sports. So really, Nebraska Northwestern was the first game of the day for everybody. And this is this was the put up or shut up year for Scott Frost. And Northwestern was the one team that you guys beat last year in conference play. Absolutely thumped them. I think it was 49 to seven. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the score last year, they looked outclassed. And the beginning of the game, Nebraska goes right down. First drive of the game, they looked fantastic. Um, and then it was really back and forth from there. Uh, Northwestern kind of took the lead. Nebraska caught the momentum early in the second half. A very questionable onside kick call by Scott Frost. And then the momentum flipped again. And after that, it was it was all Northwestern 14 straight unanswered and they go on to win by three. Um, I guess I'm going to let you guys kind of take this over as, as the bona fide Nebraska fans. I know you guys are the diehards and, and know the stuff in and out and the players in and out. So break this game down. Where, where did this go wrong besides the onside kick? Um, what did you think of the onside kick? And, and we'll wait to discuss the Scott Frost tenure after, but let's just break down this game first. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I guess I'll kick it off. Um, I thought the the major major letdown of this team was the defense. Um, and some of that could be attributed to just being the first game. They haven't got a lot of live action. Um, in camp, uh, tackling was a little bit of an issue. Um, had a lot of missed tackles. Coverage wasn't that great. It's, well, that was a little bit to be expected with so many new faces in the secondary, but what I was really disappointed about was our edge rush. That was supposed to be a strength of our team. And I don't know if that was just great tackle play by uh, Northwestern's offensive line or if it's maybe these guys just aren't what we expect them to be. But, I, I, like, overall, I'd say I, the, big, the big letdown for me, at least, is our defense. I think our offense looked great. Um, Casey Thompson loved them down the field. First drive for a score, obviously. Um the running backs looked looked like they knew what they were doing, looked like they knew how to read holes pretty well when the holes were created for them and our receivers knew how to get open, which 
is always great to see. Now, kind of piggyback off what Brett was saying, I was very surprised at how the defense looked. I thought the defensive line just – I don't even know if they hit the quarterback one time. I think there was one official hurry on ESPN that I saw, so not even getting any pressure. I mean, the announcers even said it a couple of times. It kind of just looked like Northwestern's quarterback was playing seven on seven, and it just – your defenses can only hold up for so long. And it was 2017 at one point, and they did get a three out to kind of get the ball back. And we soared to go up 28-17. And then onside kick, and then it just kind of went down from there. So, uh, yeah, I think – um, I think we're, we're we're getting a little bit. Um, yeah, I just think the the offense. Fine. I mean, the first half it was pretty much lights out from start, but uh, yeah, this uh, I I think Isaiah's internet is, <clears throat> his internet struggled a little bit. Um, and, and so Jared, why don't you take over while we let, um, Isaiah try and work on his internet get a little bit, but our connection back in. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a family reunion, so I didn't really watch it from, you know, first to last snap. Um, but I did catch a big part of the game. I'm going to piggyback off what, you know, the other two said our defensive line. I mean, it just seemed like we won no battle at this line of scrimmage. Um, and that was on both sides. We couldn't run the ball. We had one big run and that was it. Um, and so it's, I mean, that's already going to put enough pressure on, you know, Thompson when, you know, the defense knows you're going to, you have to pass. Um, I do want to make, you know, to me, I was disappointed in the receivers a little bit. Um, I look at, you know, the late two interceptions of Thompson and, you know, to me, you had two catchable balls. Were they perfect throw? No, but two catchable balls. Um, especially that last one, I, I felt like it was just miscommunication where receiver probably should have just sat in the window instead of overrunning it. Um, and the other one, the dude seemed like he was a little afraid to run through the ball and kind of make, make some contact. And, and so it was just, there was a lot, of, a lot of things that went wrong that, you know, just we seem to be talking about for the past four years. But um, I'm still optimistic. Um, Northwestern's not a great football team, so it's not a good loss, um, which worries me a little bit. But I do think if you're going to lose a game, I'd rather have it, you know, when you lose early in the season, then you can climb in the ranks rather than later in the season. If you lose, you're kind of kind of screwed. I mean, it's it, you're right. It is still early <clears throat> and we don't know what Northwestern's going to be. That's Fitzgerald. Brett and I talked about it last year. It seems like he's kind of had these, these off and on years where they've been they've been really bad. They've been really good. Um, even years have been kind of their, their trend of uh, the last, what, three even years. I think they've won the big 10 West two or two times and the other and two times as well in the odd years, they've gone three and nine. So, I mean, it's, it's been pretty, pretty hot and cold for them. So we'll see what Northwestern ends up becoming. But I, I mean, I agree with you guys. of what you said, the most like disturbing thing to me was how Northwestern, did whatever they wanted to do up front uh, on the last formation that second half. They they ran it down Nebraska's throat, and I think that honestly should be the more concerning thing more than the onside kick. The onside kick was was absolutely horrific, and and we'll get into that as its own segment. But um, it this is just really that was the more concerning thing to me was just seeing their offensive line pushed back Nebraska's defensive line the whole time, preventing the pass rush like Brett was talking about, and then the fact that they ran for whatever, I forget how much they ran for, but at least was for 200 yards. It felt like and it was really as much as they needed in the second half. It was every time. It was five, six, seven, eight yards to the carry. Yeah, it was uh, 214 yards on 47 carries. I don't know what the math does after that, but it's – it's around five yards carry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, one thing I would like to point out that Nebraska did do well um, was their special teams looked so much improved. Um, their transfer punter from Montana, 
uh, Brian Bushini was uh, had six punts, 283 yards, which I think that works out to be like 48 yards of punt, which is phenomenal. Like that's right up there with the best punters in the country. Um, being able to pin guys deep and uh, on a punt is, is something really important. It really gives you a leg up on defense just so you can get force teams to force teams to drive the entire length of the field rather than giving them good position to start out their, their offensive drive. Yeah. I, they, they seem to flip the field. Well, um, I mean, aside from it, if you want to talk about the good things for Nebraska, um, I actually think Thompson played pretty decent, especially in the first half. He was, he was lighting it up out there. Um, you know, his running back was running hard for the entire game. I know he went for over a hundred yards um, and he, everything on the offense seemed like it was clicking for, I, I would say the first, most of the first half, aside from saw out there kind of at the end, and then the beginning of the third and the beginning of the third quarter was extremely hot. And then once they were down, then it just seemed like it was never, never the same. I, I want to say it was really that moment of I can't remember. Your, Brett's going to know it off the top of his when your tight end rolled his ankle. Um, the the offense wasn't ever the same. Yep, Travis Vokalek is going to be a big piece of this offense. Um, he did roll his ankle. Um, seems like a minor sprain. He's day-to-day right now uh he probably won't play this weekend just out of precaution uh i think we're gonna want him for the oklahoma game so even if he does sit the next two games i think that gives him some fresh legs heading into the oklahoma week and we're really gonna need to lean on that guy this year uh he's such a big body um great in open space so um and he's great in the block game too as well so i think he's very important that really was a huge tide that was turned in the game so we'll, we'll we'll jump into it. Um, we'll jump into the uh, the because it was one of the more baffling decisions I think I've ever seen from any coach, Scott Frost included. Um, this was this seemed like going the game was going on. It was a tight game. Uh, Nebraska quickly scores two touchdowns in I don't know minute and a half. It seemed like a real game time. Um, probably about five minutes of actual clock, or like you know, time time, and they had all the momentum in the world. They were going up eleven. It seemed like they were just destined to blow Northwestern out at that point. And Scott Frost, who is no longer calling plays this year, relinquished the offensive play calling duties, if I'm not mistaken. And it seemed like this was his itch to put an impact on the game of get the do an onside kick and get momentum. And I mean, I'll give them credit. If they get it, you go down and score, you, the game's definitely over, but you give Northwestern a 44 yard field to go down and immediately score. Um, and they're right back in this game when they seem like they were back on their heels. It just seemed like it was unneeded momentum to give Northwestern. It made no sense to me at the time. And I, that was the, that was the momentum flipping point that everyone is talking about at this point. Yeah, I look at it like I was thinking, I mean, first of all, you got a dude who, I mean, he's been hearing crap for four years, right? He, I mean, he wants probably more than anyone else to win, right? I look at it as it's a QB trying to trying to make a play. It's like a basketball player when you're double teamed rather than passing, you're, right? You're trying to make your like you said make an imprint kind of on the game um we all know is the wrong call and um I, I think I don't know the guy personally obviously but you know I think he just maybe he feels a little left not left out but he feels like he doesn't have much impact on the game as he wants to and like you said I think that's what he was going for um and, and just bit him in the butt bit us in the butt I mean yeah it was a bad call but I still think you know there were many plays down that stretch after that that onside kick that also, you know, you could go back to and, and point your finger as well. Um, I mean, it just came down to him kind of wanting to make an imprint and he just kind of fell on the wrong side of it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, a lot of people like to say one play can make the game, but I, I'm not one to make that analogy. Um, there are a lot of things that happened after that that we also just kind of blew, uh, that kind of blew up in our face. Um, 
yes, that, that was definitely a factor with momentum. We did have all the momentum before that. And that really just sucked the life out of the team. But also I, I just, I, I think people might be overreacting a little bit um, to this loss. Uh, people are calling for Scott Frost's head right now. Um, and yes, I know like th- this is the same story that we've been hearing for the past four or five years. I mean, close loss after close loss, but there, there is a turning point. Um, you, you can tell the culture of the team has changed. Um, the guys are playing for each other. They're playing for their coaches. They're playing for the state. Um, and I, I really do think people are overreacting, and this, this season is not unsalvageable. I mean, it's, it's the first game. There's, there's still plenty of opportunities to get six, seven, shoot, maybe even eight wins if you can pull off a – Pull off a win we probably shouldn't, um, which I know it's a lot to ask for, given our history over the past five, seven years. But I mean, this is one of our more favorable Big Ten schedules. And Correct, so if there's yeah. any any year where we lose the first game and we can make something of it, it's probably going to be this year. Exactly. I, I don't disagree with you guys. The, the schedule for Nebraska is extremely favorable as you look at it throughout. I, I guess the, the thing that – you just sit back and wonder is one is the team. How will the team respond to this um, going forward? Will there be a black cloud kind of hanging over it with Scott Frost's job up in the air? Um, His buyout is comes out or drops in half on October 1st. Um, So between now and then you're only, you've got two cupcakes, you got Oklahoma and Indiana between now and then. So the opportunity to pull off one legitimate upset, uh, which I definitely, which would no doubt cool his seat down. If you don't pull that, you don't pull that one out, then you're sitting there at least two losses going into October, and his seat is just as hot as it's ever been. And then you're running into the the medium play. Right? You've got seven straight one loss games. Nebraska is the first team ever in the AP poll era. AP poll, AP poll era that since 1936 to have seven straight one loss games, it, it just seems like it's uncanny of he replaces all these people around him, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, new wide receivers, all these transfers, and the same results still happen. And so it's a matter of, is it Scott Frost's just inability to win a close game? Is it systematic? Is it just a horrible run of luck? I, I mean, where do you guys see it as fans of how do you explain seven straight one or one possession lot or one score losses? I mean, this is literally historic. I think it's a mixture of all those things you said. Um, I definitely think schematically um, we could have done some things over the past year um, to pull out some of these games. Maybe if we had a better special teams last year, we I, I sure as heck think we would have won at least two or three more of those games that those close one score losses, um, just based off of our punting and our lack of ability to make field goals or even PATs for that matter. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, luck is definitely a thing as well. I mean, we've gotten really unlucky with a lot of this stuff. I mean, it, the ball takes a bad bounce or. Um, Shoot, we get a we get a call that doesn't go our way. I mean, that definitely affects the game. And then, like I said earlier, it affects it affects the uh, the momentum of games. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's my two cents on that. I agree. It's make sure. I mean, I I look back. Very first game was canceled right against Akron, and and that, I mean in the first week of college football, you know, it's where you kind of learn, kind of set the barometer you know, the, the barometer for yourself and your team. And you can kind of learn from that. Um, we go into that Colorado game his first year and the energy was, I mean, through the roof. I mean, they, they had a five yard carry and the stadium's going nuts. Right. I mean, it's fresh. And we lose, a, like you said, a close game. I think it's, it's just such a mixture. I, I look at the punt from Northwestern. I mean, their punter, was two inches away from it getting a touchback. We get better field position, but no, he plants it. And it was just an incredible play. Uh, it's just, it's hard to swallow. It, it's hard to, you know, maybe we're trying to look for excuses. I don't know. I just think I, I agree with Brett to make sure I would lean on more of the side of 
bad luck a little bit. Maybe that's just me trying to be optimistic as a Husker fan, but that's uh, that's my take. So you two are both on the optimistic side. Um, I, I know where I know where Jared stands. I think I know where Brett stands as we talk about the future that is Scott Frost's job tenure in Nebraska. Um, like I said, it was a put up or shut up year. The schedule is extremely favorable. I mean, I'm, I'm going to read off Nebraska's schedule for everybody out there that um, isn't like you two and hasn't memorized. So you go North Dakota this weekend, and that's not North Dakota State, North Dakota. Georgia Southern should win that game. Then you get Oklahoma at home. We don't know what Oklahoma's going to look like under uh, Brent Venables. We, we genuinely don't. But So you get Oklahoma at home, big opportunity. You get Indiana at home. Indiana is supposed to be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. You go on the road to Rutgers on a Friday night. You go on the road to Purdue. Then you come home and you get Illinois. You get Minnesota at home. You got to go on the road to Michigan, at home against Wisconsin, and then end the year at Iowa. I mean, other than other than Wisconsin, Michigan, those two are the the two that you say probably no chance on and out in in, in Big Ten play. Oklahoma is obviously going to be a hard one. So even if you lose that one and you win everything else, you're talking about eight wins. You lose another one or two of them, drop Iowa. Still seven wins is possible from here on out. Um, Scott Frost's buyout goes from 15 to seven and a half million on October 1st. Is Scott Frost, we'll, we'll start with this. Is Scott Frost the coach on Monday, October 3rd at the end of the game? Is he still the coach? I think it it depends how the Oklahoma game goes and depends where Oklahoma is at. Um, if they're undefeated top team and we go in and lose 42 to three, like we did to Ohio state on game day, then you can maybe make an argument, but if it's close, if we're sitting there two and two, um, I, I don't, I find it very hard to believe he would get fired in the middle of the year. Yeah, I agree with Jared. Um, I think we need to keep Oklahoma within 14 points, maybe. And it's, we need to look respectable, and then we, we need to win the rest of the three, the other three games. Um, I, I don't see any good coming from firing a coach in the middle of the season. I've never really liked that. Um, I, I know people say, like, hey, you can start your coaching search earlier, but I, I – Personally, I think the guy who I would want to go after is already on our coaching staff. I, I would personally promote Mickey Joseph. Um, who knows if he's ready or not because he's never had head coaching experience, but he, he's a phenomenal recruiter. He knows the game. And I know a lot of people hate this, but he, he's a Nebraska guy. He, he played here. Um, so that is that is one thing I know a lot of Husker fans are pretty torn about, whether we keep going after these, these prodigal sons as a lot of people call Scott Frost, but um, I, I do think, I do think the pieces are set. Um, I, I don't, I don't see Scott Frost being fired in the middle of the season. I think they'll let them, let him play it out, but yeah, that's, that's my take on that. I'll agree with you on the sentiment that finding your coach in the middle of the year doesn't help you on trying to get a head start on coaching search because in reality, unless you're trying to go hire somebody who is out there who's not coaching at another school, it doesn't help you one bit because just because you fire your head coach, you're not going to get to go talk to those head coaches. You're just going to talk to their agents. <clears throat> what you're going to get to do anyways, whether you still have your coach or not. So that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. What you get to do is you prevent Scott. For, if you fire him in the middle of the year, you prevent him from having a chance save his job if you know you want to fire him at the end of the year and say you were sitting there you get blown up by Oklahoma and maybe you squeak by Indiana and you're sitting there at three and two and you're like, this we know this isn't going to work we're going to drop it but you just decide to wait if he goes on a run and he beats if he beats Michigan Wisconsin Iowa to end the year there's no chance you're going to fire him and then you're stuck with a coach that you wanted to fire which I'm not saying that it would be a bad decision at that point, but it, it could be a fluke of catching catch fire for three weeks. You don't know. So that that's the thought process, but I think behind firing early 
when you do. I mean, clearly they're not going to fire him before that buyout drops. Uh, I guess the other question is, so let's assume that they fight with Oklahoma and they pull out the Indiana game. They're sitting there at three and two. Maybe they squeak it out and they go four and one beating Oklahoma. Is Scott Frost the coach at the end of the season? After at the end of the season, is Scott Frost coming back for another year? I think if we're bowl eligible, I think he is. I, I don't think you – I mean, that shows improvement. That shows he's won games. I don't see any reason why you need to fire a coach that's making you bowl eligible and getting you to play in postseason play. Um, I, I think that would also mean we have to play Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin close. But, yeah, I – I don't think you fire a coach. I mean, we, we've already fired one coach that's been I was, about, I was about to say. <laughs> and that's Bo Pelini, and that was the biggest mistake we ever made. Scott Frost could win 50 straight games, and he's still not going to have a better record than Bo Pelini at Nebraska. That is absurd. He could win the next 50 straight games, and he's still going to have a worse record than what you guys were getting under Bo Pelini, who was Mr. 9-3. and three. And I think any Nebraska fan in the world is going to sign up for would sign up for nine and three right now without hesitation. Oh yeah, I mean, I totally would. I I don't know anyone who wouldn't want a nine and three season. So how unless many games, how many games does Scott Frost need to win this year for people to get off his back? Eight, I, eight or nine. Yeah, I I think if he could somehow still squeeze out eight games, I think he's safe i think anything less than eight at this point is as an outsider perspective i'm saying that's justification for firing at this point you needed to see legitimate improvement and i don't know if seven games with this schedule obviously we'll have to see how games play out and who you beat but i i don't think seven games is enough improvement for me to keep him after what you just saw again for northwestern because i guarantee if it happened this week it's going to happen again before the end of the year of another horrible close loss. But his, so I look at it too, though, his first four years record has been awful, but it's not like we're getting blown out by 21, 28 points. Right. I mean, we're, you really look at it. I mean, you look at Michigan college football playoff team last year, right? We should, we should have won that game. You look at Oklahoma at Oklahoma. Now, were they great? Not their best year, but again, we still had a chance. You look at those. I mean, so it's not like we're getting blown out. It's not like we're not competitive, which I think is the reason why I think he, if we get a winning record, if he has seven wins, I, I think people get off his back a little bit just because his first four haven't been getting killed. And we've been barring some like Troy and some other teams. We've been losing to some, you know, teams that just, seem to be better right now. Yeah. And I, and I, I was telling some of my coworkers this, if we beat Oklahoma, I know that's a big ask, but if we beat Oklahoma, if we can somehow do that, I think this past loss, the, the onside kick all forgiven just because of how many boosters and how many of the, the generational Nebraska fans, the older people are, have so much hatred still for Oklahoma. I mean, they're, they're, they're our biggest rival. Um, if you want to call it that, just because we don't play in the same conference, but they, they are our biggest historical rival for sure. Um, if we can squeak out Oklahoma and shoot, win six games, I, I think he's still the guy. Is, is the goal in Nebraska moral wins now? I, I mean, I understand what you're talking about, Jared, of like, hey, these aren't, these aren't these bad losses. You're not getting killed, but it, it is that – at some point, you have to say the person at the helm, the person in command, the voice, the voice of him is just the team has no confidence in winning a winning a close game. The team feels the tightness. Everybody gets tight in a close game. And I think at some point you've just got to cut bait and start something fresh. I mean, maybe that's just me being an outsider, but I, I have to think that eventually there, there's you can't do worse. I, th- I think it's moral wins until we get actual wins. I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. Um, that sounds desperate, but at, at this point, we are we are desperate. We want we want progress. We want want 
something to happen. Um, and even if it's playing Michigan, who is a college football playoff team, like Jared said, to a three-point game, I, I think that's, as much as I hate to say it, a moral win in my book, yes. I mean, I was like, I mean, I look at like Nick Saban, Michigan State, right? His per, when he was head coach, of Michigan State, he went six and five, six and six, seven and five, six and six. They stuck with him. He got better. Went to Alabama. The rest is history. Mike Gundy, right? He was four and seven, seven and six, seven and six at Oklahoma State. Look what he's doing now. Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Two and ten, five and seven, five and seven, six and six, or seven and six. And so it's like you're like, especially nowadays, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL, head coaches in the NFL, and now head, you know, coaches in uh in college football, quarterbacks, they don't get as long to prove themselves, they don't get as long of a chance. I think because Scott Frost did what he did as a player here, I think because he's from here, I think because people love him so much, he should he should have extra time. I think he, I, in my opinion, I think he should have six years. I think he should have six years. And if we're still not where we want to be after six years, that's when we, that's when we move on. I, I think that he's already, I think he's definitely already gotten some extra time. I, I don't know of any coach other than Scott Frost at Nebraska is coaching this year. In my opinion, I don't, I, don't, I, I completely agree with you there. So I think he's he definitely is getting his extra time. The question is going to be, does does he find a way to turn it around? I'm not saying it's impossible. Like I like we went through their schedule. There I still see seven. I still see eight wins potentially on this schedule for Nebraska as it stands. It's just your room for error now is so slim. But all will. All will be forgiven, like Brett said. If they can somehow in three weeks turn around and go beat Oklahoma and company when they come to town, um, you got you got two weeks of cupcakes. Get yourself healthy and ready, and then come September seventeenth, you'll maybe you'll get a sleepy Oklahoma team, eleven a.m. local kick. Um, the crowd's still going to be ready. Question is, will Oklahoma be ready for it? And you played them well last year. We don't know if Brett Venables' team is going to be this year. Uh, it, it is something that we will have to just wait and see so uh, we'll go ahead and kind of cut this because i think we can sit here and discuss scott frost's tenure at nebraska and future nebraska for probably hours if, if we wanted to and continue to keep arguing but what we will do is we'll we'll jump to we'll jump to week one we've got some great games on the dock and i don't remember too many week ones looking this good uh in recent memory we've got Great games going from Thursday all the way to Monday. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll jump into it. So the, the first big game um, talk about gets in on Thursday night. Uh, I sadly will miss all of this game. I'm very uh, disappointed that, that I won't be able to catch it. But nonetheless, I can still preview it. I can still give my opinion on it. I know everybody else in the world is going to be watching it because it'll be a far better game than anything else. It'll be on on Thursday night. And that is backyard brawl action. We've got Pitt, West Virginia, in the uh, the battle of the former USC quarterbacks. You've got, uh, oh gosh, I, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Uh, Keaton, Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis and uh, the guy from Georgia. Who was his name? Uh, wow, I'm really blanking on it. West Virginia's transfer quarterback name. Somebody help me out here. Uh, God, we are. Ethan? No, JT Daniels. <laughs> JT, J- Daniels, JT yeah. Daniels, gosh, we're terrible people. Clearly, we did our homework, guys. Um, anyways, so backyard brawl action. Pitt going or West Virginia going to Pitt. Uh, Pitt's coming off a big year, um, winning the ACC last year. Obviously, they're replacing a whole lot, uh, replacing their stud wide receiver who out and transferred to USC. You're replacing Kenny Pickett. Uh, so many other things. Still a very senior related team. Seven and a half point favorite for Pitt at home. Uh, where do you guys where do you guys see this game going? Who do you see winning it? Because um, I, I think this one's going to be re- really really entertaining. Yeah, uh, I'll go first. Um, Ryan, one of our buddies, Ryan, he's been on the pod before. He's probably going to hate me for picking Pitt, but I I think Pitt's still going to be a good team this year. Uh, Ryan is a big West Virginia fan. 
And I will be cheering for West Virginia, but I think Pitt's offense is still going to be good. They lost Pickett, but they got Slovis. Um, they lost Addison, but they got a whole host of other receivers that can do the job just as well. Um, or maybe not just as well, but can 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 definitely make up for for losing Jordan Addison. Um, but yeah, I got I got Pitt. Um, I got Pitt covering a seven and a half point spread as well. Um, and I would I would take the over on this game. I think it's going to be high scoring. I don't think either defense is great. Um, but yeah, I mean backyard brawls back, so that's that's always fun. It's a great rivalry. Um, I'm excited to watch. Yeah, I'm going pit covering. Um, I'm also going to hit the over. Anytime the Mountaineers are in play, your boy is going to pick the over probably, unless it's absurd. Um, I was only a Mountaineers fan when it came to Will Greer because that dude was dope. But uh, Pitt, man, coming off a good season. Uh, they got energy. I mean, winning does a lot for a program. And they got no slouch at QB, the most important position in football. I got Pitt covering. Probably going to win. Uh, Probably about thirteen. Oh, you guys are—you guys are not making any friends in, uh, or not not strengthening your friendship with Ryan one single bit. Um, hey, I told him I'd be cheering for the Mountaineers. The business. This is this is business. For We're him, making but... money here. <laughs> you know what? I got West Virginia covering, and I think the Mountaineers are pulling off the upset outright. I. I don't like what Pitt has recruiting this year. I think that even though they are senior late, I think they lost way too much. This is the first first game. Pitt wasn't that good of a team before last year. Um, Pitt finds ways to lose games. I, I would. I think JT Daniels is criminally underrated. I think he was actually he would have been extremely good with Georgia. Never got a good chance with them. Um, I cannot wait to see what he gets to do up there in, in Morgantown this year. And I, I don't have too much explanation as to why, but I'm, I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the Mountaineers and uh, you know, it eat shit pit. Um, I don't think this is going to be that great of a year for them. So let's get it done Mountaineers and Ryan, that one's for you. Um, <laughs> I know he'll, I know he'll appreciate it. But... Yeah, we're going to mark this explicit tag on here now. Thanks Kylie. <laughs> uh, you know, we're all good. Well, maybe we'll edit it out. We'll see. Uh, but uh, we'll jump into we'll jump into Saturday slate, which I think there are four four fantastic games on Saturday. Um, the first one, uh, getting off at uh, two thirty Central Time, is Oregon at Georgia, going down to Atlanta, um, playing in the Georgia Dome there, a place that Georgia does not lose very often. Uh, where do you guys see Oregon's coming in as a huge underdog, 17 and a half point underdog. This one could get ugly. Uh, according to a lot of people, where do you guys see it going? Brett, I know you hate, you're, you're so low on the Bulldogs this year. So low. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Oregon's got a new coach, right? Yes. New coach. Who is the new coach? Uh, like, Lattin. where'd he come from? Dan Lanning. He he's is Georgia's. He's Georgia's. Oh, is oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. He came from Georgia. You're right. He was uh, their, their DC or. He's what? their defensive coordinator, which not yeah. a lot of people think of. And who's going to know how to beat Georgia's defense better than their own defensive coordinator? I'm going to go Georgia wins, but it's. They're not. They're not going to cover. Uh, it's probably going to be, I would say, a six point game. Um, I'm not as I don't I don't think Georgia is a you know a playoff team, but I'm not like Brett who thinks they're gonna win two games throughout the year. Uh they're gonna be a good team, <laughs> but I'm gonna go Georgia covering. Um and or I'm sorry, Oregon covering, but Georgia wins by six. Yeah, like Jer- Jared said, I am Han Solo on on the Bulldogs this year. A little pun for you guys there, a little Star Wars pun. But uh yeah, I, I I have Oregon covering as well. I have Oregon winning outright. Um, Georgia had 17, 16, 17 players drafted last year. Um, they're turning 13 starters. That's only three on the defense. Um, losing your defensive coordinator, I don't I don't think Georgia's defense is going to be anywhere near what they were last year. 
And their offensive firepower is all gone to it. They lost their top two running backs, James Cook and Zamir White. They lost um, lost George Pickens. Um, they're returning Jared. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Kylie, help me out here. What, what position? The quarterback. Oh, Stetson Bennett. Yeah, Stetson. See, that I can't even think of his name. That's how I average. The mailman. How can you forget about the mailman? Yeah, he's the mailman. He, he he's sure gonna throw a lot of picks this year. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think uh, they've Brock Bowers. He's really good. I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, he's, he's probably going to be the best tight end in the country this year. But other than that, I don't see anything on their offense. That's going to be able to keep up with, with Oregon's offense or Oregon always is a fast offense. They want to play fast. They want to turn the ball over on their defense. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't see, Especially first game. I mean, this is this might be a trap game. They came they came out won the national championship last year. They're what are, they're going to come out cocky and I, I really don't have any faith in the Bulldogs. And I know a lot of your listeners are probably Georgia fans because that's where you're from. But man, I, I don't have faith in them. I hate Georgia. I severely, severely hate Georgia. Nothing would make me happier, Brett, than if you are correct in Oregon. And I'm going to be all the way across the country, came into the deep South, into Atlanta, and beat them in their own backyard. Truly nothing would make me happier. But you are borderline psychotic for thinking that Oregon can do that. There is absolutely zero chance that Kirby Smart and Alabama 2.0 is not reloading their entire team. Yeah, their defense is not going to be as good. But guess what? Their offense is going to be even better because they – Best three-headed tight end monster in the country between Arik uh, Gilbert, Darnell Washington, and Brock Bowers are all complete matchup nightmares. Every one of them is. Nobody has anybody in the country that can cover even one of them, let alone all three of them. They're going to play so many multi-tight end sets. Stetson Bennett does not lose them games. If it, my worry for Georgia this year is if they go into a game and they actually get down by two scores. That's my worry for, for Georgia. I don't see that happening in this Oregon game. Not one bit. The crowd will be in it. Georgia will be ready to back up their national championship. Georgia is going to walk in there, and they are going to steamroll Oregon. I don't think Dan Lemming is going to be a bad coach. I think that this is just an impossible situation for him, the first game of the year. And – it, yeah, I think this gets ugly, and I think it gets ugly quick. I, I'm thinking shades of, like, USC Alabama a couple of years ago, Florida State Alabama a few years ago. Some of these blowout games that Nick Saban's had at these neutral sites, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing here of about a, a 49-10, to, to 49-17 type game. Nowhere close. That Georgia is still going to be the same, same monster that they've always been, Brett. And you know what? Truly nothing would make you happy with that. They have a running back on their team named Sean Dollars, and Sean Dollars is going for six touchdowns. Not actually. I think he's their fourth stringer. But I would love to know what that one. pays out. He has the number one name in college football besides Dakotas Crawford, obviously. But How about Squirrel White? Squirrel White? That is, a, that White. is an awesome name. <laughs> also a guy, the guy for Auburn named Bumper Pool. <laughs> That's that's another good one. Oh, we should have had the topic, Kylie. Best all all name team. We you know what? Maybe all name teams. Next week, next Missed week, we'll pull together. We're gonna pull together an all name team next week, Brent. I like that. Deal. Pull, pull together an all name team. Come up with a starting starting eleven um, with an all name team. But nonetheless, uh, you know, maybe we'll have to revisit this this Georgia Oregon spread here, depending upon how we. We look at some of these later games. We might have to come up with something, but we'll jump over to the uh, the third game. And I actually think this is the game I'm most excited about. I don't think it's the one that everyone's going to look for this weekend because the nightcap is that good. So I don't know how many people are actually going to watch this one. But Arkansas Cincinnati, um, Cincinnati coming on the road down to Fayetteville, six point game. Uh, where do you guys where do you guys see this Cincinnati coming out of their college football playoff? Appearance trying to make up uh, and see if they can back themselves up, and then obviously you've got uh, you got Fayetteville rocking. You've got them building up with Sam Pittman year over year, uh, trying to come off a lot of good momentum last year. 
Um, well, the line right now, as it sits, is a six favoring Arkansas. Um, and I got I got Arkansas covering that. Um, Sam Pittman's going to want to chuck the ball. Um, Cincinnati lost their entire secondary. Kobe Bryant and um, I'm bad with names tonight. They're, who's their other corner? He, he's in the NFL now. they got drafted? Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, you had Dak. No, who was it? Out of Cincy. Uh, I apologize to all podcast fans. I am poorly prepared. Yeah, we all are tonight. Uh, let's see. Gosh, I blame it on Isaiah. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Kobe Bryant was it? Uh, you had Jermaine Ford, Darian Beavers, Curtis Brooks. Any of those the names that you're thinking of? Nope. Okay, well, then it was something earlier than the third day. Um, Sanders. Nope. Majari Sanders. Nope. Okay. Well, then we're just gonna have to blank on this and pass. Well, Kobe Bryant. That's that's enough. That's enough for for this. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kobe Bryant and, and the other guy that I'm I'm just not thinking. Oh, about. Ahmad Sartz, Sauce Gardner. Yeah, Sauce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sauce. Oh. Yeah, Sauce Gardner and and Kobe Bryant. They're replacing both those guys. Arkansas is gonna want to air the ball out. I know they lost Traylon Burks, but they're gonna have other guys to step in and take over from where Traylon Burks left off. That offense is going to be throwing the ball. Cincinnati's going to have no answer. They lost Desmond Ritter. They're not going to be able to keep up on offense. I got Arkansas by 20-plus. I'm going to reiterate that. I, I, I don't come prepared. I don't know what names like that right now. Hopefully throughout the season, maybe I become that. I'm a big feeling guy. Uh, I love Fayetteville. Got to play a game down there one time. Atmosphere unbelievable. And that was when they were mediocre in basketball. I can't imagine <laughs> the hype for this season, Arkansas football. Uh, I got the Hogs. I agree with Brett, winning by 20 plus. I think they have a field day. I think Cincinnati isn't what they were last year, um, not even close. Um, yeah, I got the Hogs. Ask Texas what it's like to go into Fayetteville and play that and play there when uh, that place gets rocking. It did not end well for Texas last year. It was an absolute rout, and you two are both right. I think this one also could get ugly. Arkansas wins. Arkansas covers. Arkansas by at least two scores. It might be 20-plus like Brett said. Um, this Arkansas team is no joke. K.J. Jefferson's going to have a fun, fun day. Fayetteville's going to be feeling themselves after game one. Sam Pittman's stock is on the rise. Uh, that's going to be a really, really good team here. At the end of this year and for years to come, that program is picking up momentum and picking up momentum fast. Uh, I, I, we have too much left on that one, so we'll jump down to the uh, jump down to the swamp. You got Utah coming across the country, going down to Gainesville. Only a three point favorite for Utah. Uh, Utah is a top ten AP team coming into the year. They are a not prohibitive favorite, but pretty large favorite to win the Pac-12. Very popular pick to make it into the playoffs, including from yours truly right here. Um, I I think that this is a really good Utah team after coming off their Pac-12 win last year. A great Rose Bowl performance against Ohio State. Um, Now coming all the way down to Gainesville. This game's going to be sold out. The Swamp is... It is intimidating, um, but can the Utes go down there and get the job done, or is uh, is Billy Napier and the boys pulling pulling this upset out and start off his tenure as good as possible, or as good as you could ask for? Your hatred for Georgia is like mine for Florida. I just think ever. I mean, they're just they're the Nebraska right now of the SEC. It's it's really annoying. Um, I, first time I watched Utah last year was actually in the Rose Bowl game. I, I was at least eight seltzers deep, and I just immediately fell in love with the way they played. Um, listen, they got number seven ranking in the in the nation. Uh, they're only a three-point favorite, which I think is a downright disrespectful. Um, yeah, I got the Utes by 17 in Gainesville. Yeah, I'm right there with Jared. Um, Cam Reesing is going to lead this offense um, to be a lot more high-powered than they normally are. Um, 
and the, the defense is, it's always great. Um, I think they're going to show out um, against a, a, a Florida team that I, I honestly think is overrated. Um, Anthony Richardson is, is a good, good quarterback. Not great by any means. Um, I think three, a line of three is a criminally low. I would hammer that all day. And I, I might, <laughs> um, I have to drive over to drive over to Council Bluffs and put in place place a bet on this, but um, yeah, I, I agree with Jared. I got I got Utah by fifteen plus. It's a real shame you guys uh, aren't a legalized uh, sports gambling state like the great state of Tennessee is, but it is nice that you just have to make, make a mere twenty minute drive to get across the river. It's a blessing and a curse. Uh, it's it's just a mere mere little drive away, but no, you guys are right. Utah's going down there. I I don't think they're going to be intimidated. Uh, they they've gone into some hostile environments. Utah is a great environment, but you know what? They've had some. They had a really really raucous game last year. If you go back and watch that BYU atmosphere last year was electric. I don't think it's any different than what they're going to see down there in the swamp. I went to the swamp one time. I thought it was underrated or overrated. I I did not like it. Um, granted it was a noon kick, so maybe it was a little sleepy crowd. I don't know, but it's smaller than I expected. The crowd wasn't into it. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think that this Utah team is destined for big, big things. Like I said, college football playoff bound. This is going to be a really nice, uh, really nice win to start off the year. Uh, it'll have the the name behind it. Florida won't be any good come the end of the year. They're going to win six or seven games most, um, I'm with Brad. I don't think this team's going to be that good. So Utah wins. Utah probably wins. I, I could see it being close in the first half, and I think Utah kind of squeezes the life out of them in the second half. Uh, probably low scoring. Utah. Utah has a fantastic defense, but not a lot of points on the Florida side. So I could I could see something where you're talking a 17-10 ball game at halftime, and uh, it kind of squeezes the life out of it from maybe a 27. 27-13 victory for Utah. Man, Florida's defense too, man. If if they're not any if they're the same as last year, they're in for a rude awakening this year because they gave up 52 points to Samford. Yeah, to be fair, that they they had quit on they quit on their coach last year at that point. So it wasn't I, I don't put too much barometer in the uh, statistics the last couple of years. They they quit on Dan Mullen, but yeah, it still wasn't good even before that. Uh, all righty. That will bring us to our last game of the week. And that is where college game day is. That is where I think everybody in the world is, is looking forward to um, two of the biggest brand names. I don't know the last time these two teams ever played. I'm sure they have. I just don't know the last time they did, but you got Notre Dame going into the horseshoe at Ohio state, ABC Sunday night, or Saturday Night Football, 7.30 local kick, or 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central, 17 points, 17 points spread. Uh, it's pretty well prohibitive. Uh, Alabama, Ohio State, top two teams in the nation all year. Just kind of flip them depending on who you ask. I know Brett's got uh, – you got Ohio State winning it all, don't you, bud? I do have Ohio State winning it all. Yeah, so you've got, you've got a lot of people like yourself in that camp, Notre Dame, probably looking at a little bit of a bounce back Marcus Freeman first year head coach. Where do you see this game going, Jared? It's hard to go against the Buckeyes, especially early in the season. I think the only, only time I can remember them, I'm probably wrong here, was when early in the year Oregon beat them. Um, just early in the year, they're dominant. They're so disciplined. Ryan Day, great coach. Obviously, they always just cycle through. Tremendous college football quarterbacks. Um, Marcus Freeman had bulletin board material, though. You know, with the 17-point spread, he was hammering that to his guys. I think he's going to be a big-time coach for them. Um, obviously, a player's coach, and, and Notre Dame is no slack. I think they're just – I think he'll be a better coach and, and be able to win bigger games um, than Brian Kelly did. I think Notre Dame easily covers – and I think they squeak out a three three point win in the horseshoe. I think um, I, th- I think the I think the Buckeyes start off slow, and I think 
I think Marcus Freeman gets his first, first big win under his belt um, as they ride to possibly call football playoff appearance, but we'll talk about that later. I don't know if – I really feel bad that we're not streaming uh, this video anywhere because I don't know whose face was better when, when Jared just said that they squeak out a three-point victory between me or, or Brett. We, we don't share our picks. For, for those out there, we don't share our picks with each other before this. We, we want the raw reaction and, and to have the, de- the talk and debate on it. Um, so before I let Brett just go in because he's, he's going to feel the same way about you as I probably felt about um, him going out Oregon, but – I, I think Notre Dame covers. I think Notre Dame puts up a fight in this game. Uh, I don't think that says that much. I think win, losing by 17, losing by 14, 10, that's not a com- – it's a competitive game. It's still a loss. Um, I think Ohio State has this in control most of the game. Uh, probably get out to a hot start. Notre Dame kind of just plays back and forth, plays catch up the whole game, uh, going down, going in between two, three scores down. Uh, probably like I said, a 14 10 point loss. Uh, Buckeyes in control. Notre Dame, Buckeyes get the win. Notre Dame covers. No way, yeah. no way. Um, you. I, I disagree with, with, uh, with Jared saying that Notre Dame is going to win this game. I, I highly disagree with that. Um, I do think there's a possibility Notre Dame could cover. But that's just because of Ohio State's defense. I they they are a little bit suspect, but this is possibly one of the best offenses we've seen in in some time. Uh, they got CJ Stroud at quarterback, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, on the outside, along with uh, Travion Henderson, um, Mayan Williams, and Marcus Crowley. A uh, three-headed back, three-headed monster in the backfield. Um, this this offense is going to be so fun to watch, and they're going to hang up a lot of points on Saturday. Um, now, whether their defense is going to be able to hold up and keep this game more than a seventeen-point game, I'm not sure. But I, I would hammer the over in this. The over/under is fifty-nine right now. Um, I, I think that's an easy bet. I, I think it'll 100% go over that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I do I like Ohio State's good. I do like the over. You like Ohio State a lot. Um, so how how confident are you in Ohio? Doesn't sound like you're super confident in Ohio State covering. I, I'm not super confident in them covering. I am 100% confident they win the game. But that's just because of their defense. I think I think their their offense will win them the game 100. percent I think they're going to win them every game this year. Um, their defense is not the greatest, but their offense is so good, man. I mean, CJ Stroud can can go down the field and score whenever he wants. Yeah, having those wide receivers is on the outside. Him at the helm. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a long year for teams in the Big Ten <laughs> trying to. Try to stop that offense. Man, that's not an offense you typically see in the Big Ten. You usually just want to see ground and pound offense, but that man, Ohio State is different. Jared, there is a there's a discussion or there is a thought process going around from one of my favorite uh favorite college football uh podcast shows. It's uh it's Pate State um by Josh Pate, and he was he put out a poll about which which one would you be more shocked at. If Oregon beat Georgia, or if Notre Dame beat Ohio State, and I, you know, you're you putting in a pick for Notre Dame shocks me. I think in, in some ways, I think it shocks me more. Maybe it's because I just didn't know it. I knew Brett wanted to pick Oregon, but yeah, that if that happens, hats off to you, buddy. You can come back on every single week, and you get to make your picks. Every single week, if you pull, if you call this one out of the blue, because that would be an absolute shocker. I'm gonna keep that one in my notes because I'll be I'll be tuned into that one for sure. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a great one. Um, it's it's gonna be so much fun this weekend because even after those games on Saturday night, then you get uh, you get Florida State, LSU in the in the dome, Mercedes in the uh, Superdome. 
on Sunday night. And then Monday you get uh, what will probably be a rout uh, of Clemson versus Georgia Tech. Although the uh, the seal at uh, the Georgia Aquarium take the uh, yellow jackets. You know, if you ever seen those animal videos where you put two college football helmets, yeah, the seal picked the jackets. So maybe the seal knows something we don't know. A little, a little plus 900 on the, on the yellow jackets money line, throw a little penny on it. Who knows? Something I'm good. Not sc- might- I'm not scared to bet Georgia Tech. <laughs> I, Nothing I, you, good might happen. Kylie, you know how down I am on Clemson. You are really down on Clemson. In Georgia, I will tell you, though, Georgia Tech's not a very good team, Brett. So uh, just be prepared. I agree. Don't put a lot on it if you do. Um, but, no, I think – I'm just pumped that, pumped that it's back. After this week, we're going to have a 100 and something games that we wanted to talk about we could. Um, NFL. NFL is right around the corner. Um, this is this is the best time of year. This long weekend, Labor Day weekend, games five straight days. Um, I'm happy Tennessee's playing on Thursday, so I don't have to miss anything on Saturday. It's a nice little benefit for the fans that uh, you get your game up and out of the way, and then you get to enjoy your festivities the rest of the time. Because so I'm going to be at, at games the rest of the year, so I won't catch a lot of Saturdays. I, I catch games in the morning. The, the first window or catch games in the late window. That's pretty much it, depending upon Tennessee's kickoff. So, nonetheless, though, um, this was fun. Um, we're going to have to, we will, I don't envision this will be the last time we talk about Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska. We, we talked about how big that Oklahoma game is going to be. I think we're going to know a whole lot more after that. We're going to get this back into the full swing of things. But, none, but, uh, I appreciate you hopping on, Jared, tonight. I appreciate the, uh, the hot takes. I, I hope that we have at least one of you two pulling off the upside of the century so then we can uh, we can toot our own horn next week. One of you two will get to toot your own horn. Hey, before the college, you know, football goes any farther, mind if I make my, you know, playoff prediction here? Absolutely. We'd love to have it. We got uh, – we had Brett not in mind last week. Um, so we'll, we'll recap those afterwards. But, Jared, who are your four teams – Go into the college football playoff. I got first. I mean, I got one seed Alabama. Um, I got two seed Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. Uh, I got three being um, being Notre Dame, and I got four being Baylor. I got the Aggies. Uh, Aggies and Bama meeting up, and and Jimbo Fisher is going to take home a trophy. Jimbo Fisher is going to take home a trophy this year. Jimbo gets it done. Jimbo gets it done. I love this. This is his year. The people in College Station would be singing for the heavens. Um, I don't see it, but I love it. I love the confidence. Parody, Kylie. Parody in college football. Hey, you know, hey, fun fact. The same four teams have never made the playoffs in back-to-back years. People always talk about how there's not enough parody in college football. At least we can say that the same four teams have never made it in back years. Now, the same four teams have been kind of rotating themselves. About the same six teams have been rotating themselves in now, but that's a topic for another day. Uh, so, Brett, who are your four teams again? Let's uh, recap it for the listeners who maybe uh, didn't catch it last week. Uh, I believe it was Ohio State, Alabama, NC State, and Texas A&M. And you had, and I had Ohio State and Alabama, and then Ohio State winning. You got the Wolfpack <laughs> making the. I, I do. I do have the Wolfpack. I'm high on the Wolfpack this year. Fair enough. I'm talking to people who are looking at. You guys must not thought. Uh, oh, who was it? Desmond uh, Howard last week was was the one with the hot take of what was it? Pitt, A and M. Um, oh, I forget who else he had his college football playoff. It was something wild. I want to put Baylor in so bad. If if I could change my pick, I, I would put Baylor in there instead of NC State, which I will. You know, I'll do that right now. I'm changing my pick, Baylor instead of NC State. They haven't played, so I'll give I it. love the Jailer Bears. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, they haven't played a game, so we'll, we will allow it. Um, and then for transparency on my side, I had Bama as the one, Ohio State as the two, Georgia as the three, and Utah as the four. With Alabama facing Ohio State and Bama getting it done, and Nick Saban getting his 
eighth ring. Absurd to even say that. Um, nonetheless, I appreciate it, guys. This was a lot of fun. Um, we will get you back on, Jared, come next uh, Huskers talk. Next week, we will have a recap of this and looking ahead maybe a little bit at the first week of the NFL, just talking about big storylines. Uh, and, yeah, we'll have a whole lot to cram in in, in an hour. So these, these are the fun times, everyone. Have a good Labor Day weekend. Watch a whole lot of college football. Drink responsibly, but have a good time. And uh, let's go win some bets. Thank you.